1 Corinthians 16. First Corinthians 16, and we will begin reading in verse 1. First Corinthians 16, verse 1. When you got it, say so. so. It says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of, of the week, let each one of you lay aside something or lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper that there be no collection when I come. And when I come, whomever you appoint by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I, also, that I go also, they will, give, they will go with me. Now, I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia, and it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he, come, for he does the work of the Lord, as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him. But send him on his, on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. Now, concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at that time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. Lord, thank you for your word that is true. Thank you for your word that searches our hearts, that reveals truth to us, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that in these next few moments that you open our ears, that you open our hearts, that you help us to see the truth that you have for us this morning, that we would be hearers of your word and doers of it. I pray that you would remove distractions from our minds and our hearts and pray that you would be glorified in these next few moments that we are together. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, you can raise your hand and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. We want you to be able to follow along, take some notes, answer some questions, hopefully take this beyond here. Uh, that is our ultimate goal. And so we're wrapping up 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 16, again, we've walked through the book of 1 Corinthians in its, in its totality, and today we're going to uh, start. We have one more message in 1 Corinthians 16, and then we will uh, be done there, and we'll move on to another series. But nonetheless, today we're talking about uh, giving. Everybody wants to hear about giving. You woke up this morning saying, I want to hear about giving. Hallelujah. I hope Bishop speaks on giving today. That's what I want to hear about, right? I want to take some notes on that. I want to become better at that. Praise the Lord, you guys are very spiritual. Hallelujah. Amen. Having those desires. But, but anyway, the Apostle Paul is answering a question here, right? He is, he is answering one more question as he started doing earlier on in the book. He started answering questions that the church of Corinth had, and he closes and ends this time by answering a question regarding giving, and he starts to deal with that. So before we jump into that, I just want to ask you a question. Are you a selfish person or a giving person? Are you, are, you, are you known for your 
philanthropy, hallelujah. Are you known for your giving? Are you known for the, the sacrificial life that you live? Or are you known for all the things you don't give? Do you struggle? Do you struggle in the area of giving? I want, you to, I want you to think about that, right? This is important, right? We don't want to just hear a message and be like, man, Bishop could have skipped this one. No. <laughs> no, we don't, we, don't want to, we don't want to skip stuff. I talked to Pastor Rod this week, and he was like, so you're closing up chapter 16. And I was like, yeah. He's like, that's tough. I'm like, yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, it's a lot easier when he just, because at the end, it's, it's kind of like when you're having a conversation with someone. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and you had a bunch of things you wanted to talk to them about and you ended up talking about like four of them and you still had five left, right? And then you try to fit them all in at the last, like the last five minutes you're together. You try to hit these five topics and they don't really get as much attention and you might not even get through them or whatever the case. That's kind of like what the Apostle Paul does at the end here in chapter 16. It's like he had these last things that he had to just get off his mind, right? So he writes these things under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so we can look at these things and we can learn from them. And so that's my hope this morning is that we will learn from them. See, here's the thing. I want, I want you to think about this, right? As we're thinking about giving, are you you invested in the kingdom with your time, your talent, and your treasure? Are you invested in the kingdom of God with your time, with your talent, with your treasure? When we talk about giving, we are not just talking about money only, which would fall under the category of treasure, but we are, we are also talking about our talent that God has given us. God has given each and every one of you not just natural talents that you have, but he has supernaturally deposited within each and every one of us gifts that we are supposed to invest and employ in kingdom work. Our time is something as well that we are supposed to invest, right? Everything that we have is supposed to be an investment. And whether we realize it or not, we are making investments all the time. We're, we're investing time in things that really matter to us. We're, we're investing our talents in things that really matter to us. And we're investing our money in things that really matter to us, right? I mean, that's what, that, that's what we do, do we not? I mean, every day, whether we're, whether we're conscious of it or not, that is what is going on. And so I want to ask you that question because when we think about giving, we have to be cognizant of the fact that I think God is communicating to us and he wants us always. And, and, and he, he wants us to have a heart to give, right? He wants us to be people who are not selfish, but people who are selfless, right? A Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> he, he wants us to... He wants us to bear his image better. God is a giver. The reason why you and I are here today or online or listening is because he's a giver. He gave his son so you and I could have life. So the motivation for our giving is not that Bishop's going to guilt you this morning. Hello. Our motivation for giving is because we have an example in our God who is a giver. He gives, and so we want to be like him. And so uh, if you look in your outline here, if you don't know this already, I just want to reiterate the obvious. But one of the most sensitive topics to preach or teach on is that of giving. Why? Well, it could be the assumed uh, overemphasis given to the subject. And so there's a lot of people that, you know, you talk to them about coming to church. Uh, I don't want to go to church. You're always talking about money. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> right? 
I, I, every time I go there, it seems like they're talking about money. Well, maybe you should come more often. I'm just saying, maybe that, that could be it. it. It could just be that you pick certain days and that's what happened on those days. But if you were there, right, like all the time, you may not hear the giving spiel, right? You may have just come on building campaign update or whatever. I don't know. And so sync your calendar with that better. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there, right? It, it could be something like that. It could be the time that certain churches are doing pledges or whatever the case is. And you happen to walk in on that. And then there are churches that they, they make a, an over, not an over, but they make a specific emphasis every week on giving. And, you know, it happens. It should be. Listen, giving, I, I want you to know this. Giving is simply a, a part of our worship, right? Every, you know, most of us, even if we can't sing, we enjoy music, right, on some level. You, you, you may not like singing along. You know, you may stand there, whatever the case is. But nonetheless, usually, you know, especially if you're a Christian, you, you come to know Jesus, like the singing means something. Words, you, you read the words. Pastor Aldo gets up here usually, and especially when we have a new song, right, he'll, he'll point out, man, I love this song because, and he'll go through something that he loves in those words. Usually, as somebody's coming up here, they have that moment where they're thinking about, man, this song was what was good, and I, and I love these words, and so words matter, right? But I want you to know that that's not where worship ends. I mean, see, if you think about it, if we go back into our Bible, like worship was will always cost something. It wasn't just singing. Worship became singing like under David. Hello. Seriously. And it wasn't because he did away with the sacrificial system. It's because he was a, a vocal worshiper, musician. He installed these worshipers, right? But when you look at these worshipers, right, I mean, worship always, somebody was bringing something to sacrifice. They were giving something. All right. You feel good about that? Praise the Lord. All right. So, so it, it could be, right, it, it could be our overemphasis or the, or the assumed overemphasis on the subject. It could be the misapplications and false teachings or promises made in regard to the subject. So you may hear someone speaking on giving and if you sow this seed, you're going to reap this thing. Hallelujah. Hmm. Put $20 on that. Come on now. You got it. I mean, and you, know, and, and you, and, and you hear that. <laughs> Glory. I feel in the spirit somebody's got a $100 seed to sow. Come on now. You've heard that. You see how I just turned that on, right? Uh. Now listen. It is important for us to, to understand that there are biblical principles of sowing and reaping in the scriptures. Amen. You sow, you sow to the spirit, right? You're going to reap life. You sow to the flesh. You're going to reap death, right? I mean, there, there, there's principles that are there that the scriptures give us, right? If, if we sow, uh, if you go into 2 Corinthians, and we'll get there not, not anytime soon, but when we get there, you'll see that, that you, you, you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully, right? You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. This is all in the context of giving, right? And so, so, so those things are there. But, but if I stand up here and I say, man, if you give this, you are going to get this, I might be overstepping. Okay, continuing on in our outline. Though those could be reasons, right? I'm give, you know, it could be the overemphasis. It, it could be the, you know, the, the, other, the other side of it. Promises have been made. People have, I've had conversation with people. They were sowing toward a specific thing. They were sowing a certain seed for something, and that didn't happen, and that turned them off to the whole idea of giving. And then, and then here's the thing, but I, I just want to throw this out there as a, as a possible could be. Or, or the reason why this is such a sensitive topic to preach on, it could be that we all have idols in our hearts when it comes to money, whether we are well-to-do or we are on welfare. 
I didn't get an amen on that. It could, it could just be that, that, that we really do have these idols. We, 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 we may not even realize that they're there, but it could be that we're, we're, we're striking a nerve in an area, and, and that could be the problem. And so there, there's a bunch of could-bes as to why this is a sensitive topic to talk about. But, but here it is. The truth is the giving of our treasure, talent, and time are more than acts of obedience to be debated, right? Because you have all kind of people that are going to debate it. I'm going to touch on a little bit of the debate in a moment. I'm not going to go real deep into it. But should we give? How much should we give? Should we, you know, all that kind of stuff right there. But, but, but should we, you know, we debate that. We talk about our time. We talk about all those things. It's not just something to be debated. It is really, really more a picture of our hearts toward God and our concern for others. That's, that, 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 that's really what giving boils down to when it comes to giving our time, giving of our talent, giving of our treasure. It, it's really a picture of our hearts, right? And so here's what I want you to think about this morning. Our lives should be an open-handed, open-hearted response to the God who saved us. Our lives should be an open-handed, an open-hearted response to the God who saved us. What I, what I should say to the Lord when I come to him is all of my life, all of my time, all of my talent, all of my treasure, I recognize it belongs to you. And whatever you want to do with it, you have a reign over it. You have a right to it. It's yours. And, and, and as you grow in your faith and you grow in the understanding of Scripture, you realize that the time you have is on loan anyway. Hello. The talent you have is because someone gave it to you, right? You may have developed it, but he even gave you the ability to develop it. And when you start to look at your treasure in the right perspective, you realize that your money is not yours. Hello? There, there, there is a source to all of it. And so really, we are not owners. We are stewards. Are we not? That's what we are. We are stewards. And so we recognize that, Jesus, you paid a price for me. You died for me. You gave your son for me to redeem me, to bring me out of darkness into a relationship with you, into the life. You separated me for yourself. And so I want to live my life saying, Lord, everything that is in my hands is yours. And it comes from a heart that's open to you and however you want to direct me. And I want to live my life because I always remember the gospel. I always remember that I was separated from you. I always remember that I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I always remember, I'm reminded daily as I think about what God has done for me. I remember that there was a time that I was separated from God, that I didn't have a relationship with him. And yet graciously, he revealed himself. Graciously, he showed me the power of the cross. He redeemed me from my sin. I remember that. And I live my life that way, and I want to live for his glory that way, okay? So here it is. I want you to repeat this after me. Say, a willingness, a willingness. to give, give is a demonstration, a demonstration of our heart. A willingness to give is a demonstration of our heart. The bottom line is this. Our willingness to give, it just shows the condition of our heart. It just shows really what's going on inside of us. That's all it is. And so God, I mean, you think about it. Jesus talks about money a lot. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a taboo subject. It's something that we should be willing to communicate on. It's something that we measure our heart. Why? Because, I mean, Jesus makes it clear wherever our, wherever our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. Where, where, wherever we're putting our money, that, that's where our heart is. And so it's always a heart issue, right? And so what is the Apostle Paul? He gives some instructions here. Again, finally, he's, he's coming here in verse six, um, chapter 16, verse 1. Let's look there. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. 
On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collection when I come. And when I come, whomever you appoint by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. And so, the Apostle Paul is addressing what is the final concern here. It seems like this is the final question in 1 Corinthians that he's dealing with. He's dealing with the, the issue of this giving. He's talking about this collection. And no, notice the word that he uses there. He doesn't say offering, right? He says collection. He's talking uh, a collection. I, 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 I like the term better, right? Because the reason why I don't like the, the, the term offering, and listen, just let me say this. The term offering is in the Bible, you know, uh, uh, um, multiple times there, right? So that's something that we should be doing. It's something that demonstrates our hearts, right? It, it demonstrates I'm offering this to the Lord. I'm giving this to the Lord from my will, right? So it shows that. And so, but, but, but I don't know. I, sometimes it, it may paint the wrong picture, in, you know, in, in some of our minds. But the, the, the picture that I like is contribution. Contribution. They were, they were asking a question about this contribution. So there was another part of the church. It wasn't the people that were sitting in the room with them every week worshiping. It, it, it wasn't people that they, they might have even known. But it was another part of the church in Jerusalem that was hurting. Maybe it was because of famine. Maybe it was because of persecution. We're not 100% sure exactly what's going on there. But nonetheless, there was an issue and, and, and there was money that was needed in order to support that church. And so the Apostle Paul had given instruction to the other parts of the church. Now, remember, the Apostle Paul is the apostle to who? He is the apostle to the Gentiles, right? He's not the apostle to the Jews. And so he's speaking to his Gentile churches that, that don't necessarily have a connection to Jewish people. And he's letting them know, hey, they're part of the body. These are saints that need something, and so we should be doing this. So he gives them some instruction. He's giving them direction on this. And he, t and, and he tells them this, that this is something that he told to the church of Galatia as well. So it's not just the church of Corinth, but the church of Galatia as well gets these directions. And so while this, this, this giving here, this is a specific situation, here's what I want you to know. There's some good stuff that we can glean from this, okay? You ready to do that? I know you're, you're waiting. You're waiting to get the points, right? So I got five points for you, all right? So if you're taking notes, take notes here. But how should we give? What are the principles that we have in the area of giving, right? In the area of giving, what are the, some of the things the Apostle Paul says here? First of all, uh, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, uh, and, and I think they'll be up here. Um, contributing financially, the, the first thing we see in verse 1, giving towards the mission of extending the kingdom is an expected behavior for followers of Jesus. Let's look at verse 1 again. Just, I, I just want us to read it, just, want, just that verse alone. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, this is the question that is asked, right? So they're probably asking, do we need to give towards this? Is this something that we should be part of? How are we supposed to do this? He says, as I have given orders. Is that suggestions? Okay. As I have given orders to the other to, 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 to the church of the churches of Galatia, as I've given them instructions, as I've made a way, right? He said, I've given them these instructions. Then he goes on to say, so you must do also. Notice, he doesn't say you can think about it. And this is what he says. 
Why? Because it's expected that we, as followers of Jesus, are going to contribute to the needs of others. We're going to contribute toward the mission of the church. Right? We're supposed to care for those that are hurting. We're supposed to take care of those who minister the gospel. We're, su- we're, we're supposed to be able to celebrate together. These are things that should happen, and this is part of what the contribution goes to. In this particular case, he's speaking about this offering to them. So the first thing we have here is that contributing financially giving toward the mission of extending the kingdom is an expected behavior of the follower of Jesus. The second thing that I want you to see here if you're taking notes is consistent giving is expected. Someone say hallelujah. 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 Cons- not, not just once in a while. Not just, y'all, I'm feeling it today. <laughs> not just like, hey, man, I got a bonus, so I'm going to go ahead and hook up to church, you know. Like, no, 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 no. Consistent, being, what, what, what did he say, verse 2? He said, on the first day of the week, let each, so on the first day of the week, so this is a consistent time that is happening. He's saying, until I come on the first day. So every first day of the week between the time that you receive this letter until the time that I arrive, you should be doing this on the first day of the week. Now, this also gives us another picture, right, of the time that the church gathered together. Because he could have said on the seventh day of the week, couldn't he? If, it, if they were meeting on Saturday, he could have said he could have said on the third day of the week. He could have said on the fifth day of the week. Nope, he said on the first day of the week. Why? Because we go back and we and we see that by this time the church was gathering together. They were worshiping. They were being reminded of the resurrection. But nonetheless, as we look at the principle here, consistent giving is expected. So for us as believers, you have to ask yourself a question: Are you consistent in your giving? If you're a giver, now listen. If you're a giver, thank you. If you are someone who contributes to the church and to the ministry, thank you so much. We are so grateful for you. We pray for you. We do. If you're not yet a giver, today's a good time to start. Amen. Hallelujah. I invite you into the community of the generous, right? I invite you into the community of faith in this area of giving, saying, hey, I want to be part of what it is that God has called you to do, what it is that God has called the church as a mission to do. So consistent giving is expected. The second thing we find in this verse, he goes on to say this in verse 2. He says, so lay aside, he says, let each one, say each one. Each one of you lay aside something. Lay aside something. Each one of you. So the third thing as a principle is collective giving is anticipated. Hallelujah. Not just some folks. Not just, not just every, it's, it's expected. Let each of you, now, now, now there's a caveat to this. I'm going to get to the, to the next point there. He says, let each of you lay something aside, storing up, say storing up, and say this with me, as he may prosper. Storing up as he may prosper. Now, here's the thing. If you're over there in the community and you are broke and you, you're not working, guess what? He's not asking you to do anything. Are you here? You got to track with me now. He's not, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you are, if you are, you know, you, 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 you don't have anything. He's not expecting you to go and rob Peter to give to, no, come on now. He's not, he's not, he's not asking you to do something outside, but as the Lord prospers you, do we have any prosperous people here? Mm-hmm. So that means everyone should be giving. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So if, if the Lord is prospering you. If the Lord is blessing you, if the Lord has given you increase in your life, if, if the Lord has given you income in your life, in this, he's saying, as the Lord has prospered you, store something up. 
Put something aside. This is something that you should be doing, right? He gives the idea when he talks about storing up. The Old Testament speaks of the storehouse, right? Like God's house being a storehouse where they brought the offering, the tithes and the offerings in. So that way the weak, the poor, they could be ministered to. So that way the Levites, they could be taken care of, right? So there was a storehouse. So he's, he's, he's not saying, now, I, I, I want to be, be careful here because I know I got some deep thinkers. Hallelujah. He's, he, he's, he's not saying that the New Testament church is the storehouse, right, in, in that sense, but, but he is saying that in another sense. Why? Because we are the New Testament church. We are the building. So what should we be doing? We should be storing up. Oh, come on, y'all. <laughs> we, we should be that storehouse, and we should be storing up so that way we can give, so we can, we can provide. We can be a blessing unto those who are in need, again, in this particular context. He goes on, so we have contributing financially. That should be something that we do. Consistent giving is expected. Collective giving is anticipated. Corresponding giving is the standard. I, said, I, I had you repeat that with me, the, the as you may prosper, Right? And this brings me to the debate, right? The debate is, should we tithe today? That's the debate. Let me, let, me, let me say this. Let me say this. First of all, some of you, your goal should be giving 10% because you're not there. And, you, and, and you, should, you should be trying to get there. Others of you, 10% is a drop in the bucket. 10% doesn't even matter to you. And so you should be going way above and beyond the 10%. We're arguing about, should we give 10%? Hold on a second. We're supposed to give as the Lord prospers us, as the Lord blesses us. Now, 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 let, let, let me get personal. Do I, do I, do I, could, could I make an argument? I'm not going to make the argument here like really in full, but, but could I make an argument for giving 10%? Absolutely I could because I've had the debate before. I've had the debate with those who don't believe that that's a thing for the New Testament church. But see, and I would just go back and I would say, well, you know, tithing precedes the law, does it not? I know, I know, you know, we're thinking about Melchizedek and Abraham, but, but no, but let, let, let's go after Melchizedek and Abraham, right? Let, let's go to the second time that tithing is mentioned, right? And Gen if you're taking notes, Genesis 28, 22, I believe it is, Jacob is, he, he has just stolen, this, this is a crazy story, by the way, he has just stolen his brother's blessing, right? He's just stolen his brother's birthright, and his mom is like, my son is about to get killed for what he just did. I don't want him to die. So he goes and, you know, this is, there's so much manipulation. Just read the book. If you haven't read the book of Genesis, read the book of Genesis. So much manipulation going on. So much, and you're like, God, how could you even be in that? And God is like, I'm there. <sighs> I'm not, I'm not doing the manipulating. I'm not doing the sinning part, but I'm there. I'm still orchestrating my plan and bringing my purposes to, to pass, right? And so Jacob is part of this plan. And so as Jacob is leaving on his way to, to meet Laban, who's another trickster, hello. Talk about reaping what you sow. Anyway, read that story. You'll be like, yep, he got everything he deserved and some. Come on now. And yet God still blessed him. And I think that it's because of what happens in Genesis 28-22. He has this encounter with God in this place that he calls Bethel, which is the house of God. He has this dream, this vision where he sees this ladder and he sees angels ascending and descending. And, and he's like, wow, God is here. I didn't even know it. Puts a stone down. And then when he's making a vow to God, he says, and I will give you a tenth of everything that you give me. If you'll be with me, I'll do these things. Now, 
that, that, that's preceding the law, right? Then you move into the law and you have 10%. And really, you know, I mean, you guys know this, right? It's really like 20.3% because there was three tithes that were taken up. And so it's a lot of stuff. And so then people are like, well, are we supposed to give 10? Well, actually, you should be giving 20.3. Well, come on, let's do 20.3, glory to God. Some of y'all are like, Bishop, come on, you're going crazy. No, 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 I'm not going crazy. I'm just trying to point out the argument, right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Forget percentages for a moment. Let me ask you a question. Has God prospered you? Has God prospered you? Has God blessed you? Then don't be greedy with him. Don't, 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 don't nickel and dime him. Don't be like, well, I'm going to do 10%, so I'm going to do 87.23. No, come on now. Can you at least round up for the kingdom? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> glory to God. Amen. <laughs> listen, and, and if you got 87 points, I'm, I'm just, I'm making a point, right? Like, 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 listen, don't be stingy for the king. We give when it comes. Man, we want to be a blessing. We're not giving. We're giving, we're giving because he's already blessed us. So, yeah, so I, I, think, I think, you know, I, I think I can make a, a pretty good argument, but I, and I, I'm going to leave the argument there. But I could, make, I, I could continue on with the argument as to why I believe that I think tithing is something that we should practice in our present day. I, I could, but listen, here's the thing. I want you to be a people who say, God, you have blessed me. I want to bless you. That's the kind of people that we should be. We, should, we, we shouldn't have to be browbeaten when, when Pastor Aldo gets up here. He beats you guys up every week, doesn't he? He so, so, some of y'all probably never even heard the word tithing since you've been in this church until today. You're like, you're getting overloaded. It's okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> the point is, we, we, we believe that we should be givers, and not, and, and not just givers in word, but givers of our treasure, givers of our money. And so here's the thing. While there should be no question that giving our money towards the mission of the church is, is an expected part of following Jesus. If giving is solely a check in the religious box or a Christian duty, then our, then our hearts are in the wrong place. Now, I still got two more points here that I want to make, but I, I want you to know our hearts have to be in the right place. Continuing on with Paul's instruction here, look what he says as he continues on. He says this in, in, at the end of verse, verse 2. He says that there be no collection when I come. It's funny that he says that because he's like, I don't want to come in there and be like, yo, y'all got to give me this money. No. He's like, I don't want to even have to, I don't want to have to talk. I want somebody just come to me when I get there and say, here you go. This is, this is what we've collected since. Since we heard your words, this is what we... So you don't have to get up there and be in, in, in a situation where you're asking people. No, we shouldn't have to ask people. We know that there's needs. We know that what's going on. And so we're going to give. We're going to sow. That, that, that's what should be happening. So here's what it is. Coercive giving is to be frowned upon. Listen, I don't, I don't want to get up here and twist your arm and make you feel like, oh, you got to give. If you don't give, you're going to hell. If you don't give, you're going to be cursed. Come on now. I, sh I shouldn't have to do any of that. If you love Jesus, you don't need all that to give. Come on now. Listen, I, I say this for the glory of God. We, we don't get up here and browbeat people and all this stuff. Every, when, when the scriptures bring us to the topic of giving, we're going to dig in. Come on now. And, I mean, I don't have a problem talking about money. It's not a, if, there's a, if there's a moment that there's a need, I have no problem raising that up. I don't have issues with any of that. But I'm not going to get it. That, that's not the only thing that's in the Bible. And so I thank God that you have responded, that you have been givers, that you have been faithful. Because if not, we wouldn't have the AC blowing right now. I know some of y'all are cold. Come on now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm sorry. I apologize. I sweat a lot. They kind of try to work the balance between you and me. Praise the Lord. I... 
Amen, amen. You know, just, just do like Pastor Aldo. Follow his lead. Just bring, bring a parka. Hallelujah. <laughs> bring one for you. Matter of fact, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna start doing parkas instead of handouts. Hello. We'll, we'll do that on Saturday anyway. So coercive giving should be frowned upon, right? That, that, that should be something we shouldn't be there. Account, and, and then the last one here, verses 3 through 4, and then he says, and the person who you appoint to take care of this, they'll take care of it. And if you want me to go, and I'm just paraphrasing, then, then they'll come with me. But, but here's the last part. Accountability for giving is a biblical practice. So, here, so here's the point. The point is you give. If you have questions about what we do with what you give, please ask. Pastor Aldo will be more than happy to, to print out whatever you need printed out so you can see what's going on. Listen, we, 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 we want to be accountable, right? We don't, we're not just doing what we want to do. We're, we're trying to be honorable. We're trying to be faithful. Now, listen, if you're not a giver, don't be coming up in here asking for no printout. Come on now. Because you're going to check that first. And if there's no account of your giving, well, hey, you have no reason to ask. Come on now. Amen, amen. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. You can take a deep breath now. We're done talking about money. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Say this with me. A willingness, a willingness. to give, give. Requires, requires a submitted schedule. Uh, Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know which one's worse to talk about in our present day, money or your time. What is the apostle? Let, let, let's read the apostle Paul's words. See, because as I read this, I'm like, what, what, what is it? There, there, it's, it's an attitude of giving that I think is being expressed, right? And there's a bunch of other ways that we could look at this. But, but the apostle Paul says in verse 5, he says, Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia, and it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, verse 9, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And so when, I, when I'm looking at this, I'm, I'm looking at the Apostle Paul expressing to them what his schedule is looking like. What is, what is on his heart of the things that he wants to do? And what the Apostle Paul is saying, that he has given himself wholeheartedly to the work of the Lord. He has given himself, he has given his schedule, he has given his life to doing what God has called him to do. Now, I know what some of you are saying right now. You're like, well, I can't do that. I mean, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, a missionary. I'm not an evangelist. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. You see, we believe in this thing called the priesthood of all believers. How many of you heard of, heard of that? Raise your hand if you heard of the priesthood of all believers. I got a couple of half hands because you don't want to be on the spot. But the truth is, eh. if, you, if you never heard of that, in the Old Testament, right, there was a certain group of people who had to go before God. They were the priests. They were the Levites. They were the high priests. They were the ones that went before God who brought the sacrifices on behalf of the people to God after the law was instated. So there was a group. There was a group of priests. But now that Jesus has died, he is our high priest. We go directly to him. We go directly into relationship with him. We don't need any. Listen, you don't need to come to me to say, hey, Bishop, can you pray for me for X, Y, and Z? You know why? You have an open line. Hallelujah. How do we know this? When Jesus was on the cross, something miraculous happened. There was this tearing of the veil. And I love the way that the veil tore. The veil tore from the top to the bottom. 
You know what God was doing in that moment? He was saying, hey, I want you to, it was like this. I'm not going to tear this, by the way. But nonetheless, it was like there was a veil. You couldn't see him. I know you guys on the side can see me. Just pretend, okay? This is huge. All right. (laughs) You couldn't come to him. The only people who could come through that veil were the priests, the ones who were, and, and it was one time a year that they were able to come into that holy of holy place. And what God does is he tears the veil top to bottom to do what? So that way now everybody can access him. That's the beauty of, of what God, that's one of the beautiful things that God does. He brings us into a relationship with him. But see, with that, with that, with that access comes responsibility. Because those priests, they were, not just, they, they, were, they were not just representing God to the people, right? They were, they were representing the people to God. And so that means that there's a two-way representation, And so now, guess what? We can come to God without anybody. But we also need to go from God to the people on behalf of God. As representatives, as as those pastors in our workplaces, praise the Lord. Pastor Ozzie, how you doing? Glory to God. Just feel that weight for a second. You you are the, you are the, you... (laughs) You are the apostle in your place. Hello, glory to God. Going to get in trouble there. <laughs> you know what an apostle is, right? A sent one. Come on now. You, you are a sent one in where, wherever you go from here, like when you leave, when you go home, you're a sent one there. Where, when you go to work on Monday, where, where, wherever you go, you are, a, you are a delegated representative of the most high God wherever you go. And so that means, that means that just as the Apostle Paul submitted his schedule, he submitted his time unto the Lord, that's the same thing that we should be doing. I can't get an amen, but that's okay. Check it out. See, here's the the reason why I can't get an amen. Because in our culture, everybody's busy. Hello? Everybody's busy. And this is my opinion, and this, and, and this I, I, I'm just going to give you my opinion. I think many people are just preoccupied with things that they will regret spending time on. My phone, my son, when he was getting, I was going to grab my phone, but, you know, we just scrolled our lives away. See, when, 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 when people end their life, and when I mean end, I mean, they come to the end of they're not ending it, right? When they come to the end of their life, they look back. As you get closer to the end of your life, you know what you start doing? You start looking back and like, man, did all of that matter? Why, why did I waste my time doing A, B, C, or D? You see, we, we, we all have a leg up in, in the sense that we should be living for eternity. And so that means that my schedule, to the, to, to the most of my ability, right, like, like you can't go to your boss tomorrow and say, hey, man, um, I, I know I have a job here, but I'm going to submit my schedule to the Lord, so I'm on his time clock. So you just keep paying me, and I'll show up whenever I can, and I'll do what I need to do whenever I can. But other than that, I'm the Lord. You can't do that. They'll be like, yeah, well, I got somebody who wants your job and will do the job, and I'm going to go ahead and get them, and you can go ahead and give all your time to the Lord. How about that? But, here, but, but here's what I'm saying. You, you, you may not be able to go in there and just abandon your responsibilities. That doesn't mean your schedule can't be submitted to the Lord. 
Because that means that you can come there and you can work hard while you are there. You can be the person. Don't be coming and making photo finishes all the time. Come on now. Be, be, be the person that is there early waiting. I'm, I'm going to get this thing done. The person who works hard. The person who does their job. And can I tell you something? You can check out for the glory of God. Come on now. You can clock out for that. that, that, that that's part of submitting your schedule to the Lord. I'm not going to be bound to this. I, I'm going I'm to do the, the, the work that I have to do. And then outside of that, so outside of those eight hours, ten hours, whatever it is that you work, what, what, what do you do with the rest of your time? If God looked at your planner, hallelujah, if he looked at your, your plan, if he looked at what you're doing with your time, would he say, son, daughter, that's honoring me? Or would he just say, yeah, you're doing something with your time. <laughs> That's honoring you. That's not necessarily honoring me. And so are we, are, are we living, right, like the Apostle Paul. He's like, hey, I don't, I don't want to just pass through Macedonia. He even tells him, I don't want to see you right now. Why? Because he's like, I don't want to just come and stop by real quick. I want some quality time with you guys. I want, I want to ask, I don't want to just get a quick 30-minute meal in with you. I want to sit down. I want to spend some time. I want to be able to pour into you. I want to be able to love you. I want to be able to be loved in return. Can, can, can we slow our lives down just, just, just a little bit for the body of Christ like that? Hallelujah. Can we, can, can we fit our, yo, y'all are quiet this morning. Can we, can, can, can we fit our brothers and sisters in our time? Can we, can we give our time to the Lord and say, Lord, my life is not my life. My schedule is not my schedule. It is yours. I have to go and do this job. I, 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 can't, I can't do anything about that time. But what about my, what about my time? Whose is it? Because it should be, it should be the Lord's as I'm looking at the Apostle Paul's writing here. So I want you to notice two things. I mentioned this already. The Apostle didn't want to just come to them for a quick trip. He wanted to spend some qualitative time with them. He was planning to wait, and I love this. He was planning to wait in Ephesus. Why? He's going to wait in Ephesus because a great door had opened to him. What was the Apostle Paul's concern? The The Apostle Paul's greatest concern was that the gospel was preached fully. And, 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 and my friends, I want you to know this. Don't, don't think, please, I hope you heard me earlier. Do not think that you are less than some preacher or pastor or bishop or leader. You are not. You are as important, if not more important, because there are people that you will engage that I will never see. There are people that you will encounter that I will never, unless you bring them to Jesus and they walk through those doors. Hello. That's the only way that I'm going to meet them. God has placed you where you are to be his ambassador, to be his voice, to be his intercessor, to be the person, listen, to be that person that people know if they need prayer, they're coming to you. He's placed you there. He wants to use you in that way. And our greatest concern, what what, what should be our greatest concern? Our greatest concern should definitely be that we get promoted, right? That should be our greatest concern. Our greatest concern is that, 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 that we get that increase that, that we're looking for. That, that should be our greatest concern, right? No, no, wait. No, our greatest concern should be that we get that bonus because, you know, we need that. Come on now. Our greatest concern, it should be, it should be that God would open the door of salvation to every person that he allows us to encounter. 
That those people, listen, I, I hope that you see those people, if you work in a place where there's cubicles, I hope that you see those people in those cubicles as people that need the gospel. Come on now. If, if, listen, if you work out in a field somewhere doing something, you know, I, I don't know, maybe you're in construction or whatever the case. Listen, I don't care where, but the people that you work with, and I hope that you're praying for them. I hope that you're crying out to God on their behalf. What does that have to do with time? Man, that takes time. Hello. I, I, ho I hope that you're looking at ways that, that, that God can use you to impact their lives because that is what the Apostle Paul was all about. And here, here, here's the thing. He says this. He, he, I, I'm, I'm moving on. But we should be able to give our time unto the Lord. He says this in verse 9. He says, for a great and effective door has opened to me. And lastly, he says, and there are many adversaries. How many of you guys like adversity? No? Nobody really likes it, right? I mean, you know, you can deal with it, but I mean, some people, yeah, uh, you're right. Some people do. Some people like it. All right, well, there it is. But most of us are not looking for a fight. Most of us want everything to just, sm you know, to just flow smoothly. And, and most of us, when we, when, we feel, when we feel opposition or we feel something, something gets tough, like, like the automatic thing in most of us is, man, I must be going in the wrong direction. I, I must be doing something wrong because this got difficult. Well, think about that if you're trying to, you know, get stronger. You need to feel pain. Hello. Come on, somebody. I, I love this quote that I, that, that I heard somebody say this week, and I, I don't have it totally correct because I, I heard it once and then I didn't go back and listen to it, but it was, it was around this. If you're not on a head-on collision course with the enemy, you might be walking with him. That's what I thought, too, when I heard it. I was like, ooh. If the enemy isn't opposed to your life, you and him might be cool and you don't even know it. But when, you, when, when there is opposition, listen, when, when there's opposition, when things get difficult, oh, yeah, you need to pause and think, man, am I doing something wrong? But when you see, man, no, I'm praying, I'm in God's word, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm participating with the body, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything wrong, and you see the opposition, you know what that means? Oh, I'm going in the right direction. Because now there's opposition. Paul is like, man, there's many adversaries. There's, a, there, there's people in the natural that, that are there, but, who, but, but all these people in the natural, they're, they're motivated by, by somebody spiritually. You know that, right? All those adversaries, and so we have, to be, we have to be prepared for that, and we have to realize, hey, this is what we are dealing with. And so, again, if we're, if we're not on a head-on collision course with the enemy, we might, we might be walking with him. Maybe we need to repent. Maybe we need to turn to that. The point is this. Opposition from the enemy is good and should be expected. One of the wins, look, and, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later down in the next series that we do. But, 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 but the, 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 one of the major wins for the enemy in this day and age, because he's already been disarmed. He, he's, he's already been stripped of power. But what is his win? One of the major wins that he gets is that he gets to hinder the forward progress of the gospel. And when he can get us caught up in sin, he can get us caught up in drama, he can get us caught up in all kind of X, Y, and Z, whatever. It is. He can get us caught up in that. Guess what? He can hinder the flow of the gospel. If he, if, he can, if he can mess up your testimony in your workplace, guess what? He can hinder the flow of the gospel. Because you ain't going to try to preach to anybody and nobody's trying to listen to you. Hello. If, but if, but if you're trying to walk for Jesus, you're trying to live for him, oh, there's going to be opposition. So what does he want to do? He wants to hinder the gospel. The third thing, and I'm getting ready to wrap up here. The third thing, repeat this after me. Say, a willingness to give, a willingness to give. means honoring others. A willingness to give means, means to be willing to give honor to others. 
to recognize others as who they are. I just told you who you were, but here's what I want you to realize is that giving honor to others is a biblical mandate. We're going to see these in these verses here as the Apostle Paul tells, talks about Timothy and Apollos. But it, it is a biblical mandate, and it should be done as we recognize them, the people of God, as brothers, as delegates, and as ministers of the gospel to be honored. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Now, if it's a woman, say sister. If it's a man, say brother. <laughs> Hold on. I'm giving you instructions for what I'm about to say. <laughs> you are a brother or sister. Don't say you are a brother or a sister. Say you are a brother or you are a, whichever one it is, hallelujah. We can't do that in this day. Come on, y'all. Y'all know there's pronouns and all this stuff. Ah. I know. You guys are so, I, I confuse you. I apologize. But anyway, anyway, here it is. Second one, we'll get this right. You are a delegate. And you are a minister. Of the gospel who deserves honor. Listen, the way that we should see each other as brothers and sisters, we should see each other as family. That's the point, right? That's what you should have said. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. your family. Yeah. There it is. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's clear that up. <laughs> Your family, and, and if you're really family, well, you know, you know that, but I'm talking about a greater family. I'm talking about the family of God. We should see each other as family. We should also see each other as God's delegates. We, 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 have, been dele we have been given authority from God. We should also see each other as ministers of the gospel. And so what does Paul tell them about Timothy? He goes on in verse 9, I mean verse 10. He says, and if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. For he does not, but for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, do not uh, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. So the first thing that we find here is that Timothy, just to give you a little bit of history on it really quickly, he, he, he is, a, he is a, a, a younger man in the faith. He is one that Paul came upon and took him in the book of Acts. He's a man that was instructed in the scriptures. He is a man that was young. I just said that earlier. I want to say it again. He was a young man, and he was probably, based on what I read in, 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 in Paul's writings to him, he was probably gifted differently than the apostle Paul, and he was definitely temperamentally different than the apostle Paul. And so what does that do, right? So you have, so I'm, I'm going to use myself as an example, right? So I am, a, I, I, am a, I am a person that is, I'm trying not to give you all fuel. Come on now, I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of person that if no one else is leading, I'm going to lead, right? Does that, that make sense, right? Some of you are like that. If, if, if someone else is leading, I'm cool sitting back and just like, you know, biting, you know, grinning my teeth and be like, okay, well, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I do, right? I, I'm, I'm going to sit back. They're not doing like I would do it. But, but if someone's leading, I'm good, right? I, I can, and I proved this. I just, I just coached a size basketball team as an, I was the assistant coach, hallelujah. 
And I, and I shut my mouth until the coach wasn't there, right? When the coach wasn't there, then I had to step up, right? That's how it was. But nonetheless, I wasn't trying to, like, overtake, right, the, the you know, control. And so the point is, I'm that kind of person. So the point is, I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to speak up. I'm not going to sit there and just be quiet and all that kind of stuff. Like, I'm going to actually talk, right? And other people are not necessarily like me. And so because they're not willing to voice their opinion, because they're not as, as, as strong-temperamented as I am, right, I'll just use that term, because they're not like that, right, then, then, then they, they could walk in into a room in a situation and you not want to even give them any deference, right, because you're used to a certain, a certain type of figure, right? Same thing with Paul here. Paul is, 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 a, is a commanding figure. He walks, in, he walks in a place, he's over here, he's sitting in Athens, he's looking around, he can't shut, he's like, oh my goodness, these people are overtaken with demon worship. I've got to introduce them to the one true God. Most of us would have just walked through the marketplace been like, man, we got to pray for them. Come on now. <laughs> Not the apostle Paul. He's like, I, I, I'm a terror. You, you guys are bowing to God, false gods. Like it's, it's killing him inside, right? Timothy was probably like, nah, bro, you good. Like, do we have to have this conversation? Like, do you see the crowds coming around? Right? And the reason why I say this is because he tells them, let Timothy be with you without fear. Right? Doesn't he tell Timothy somewhere else, you know, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Right? Like, he tells Timothy, he tells Timothy, stir up the gift. That, I mean, like, Timothy seemed to be kind of a timid guy in some things. Different temperament than the Apostle Paul. But you know what the Apostle Paul is telling the church of Corinth? Hey, respect him the same way you would respect me. He's not second best. He's not like the he, he, he's not the bench player. Hello. He, he, he is called, so we give honor, right? The, the point is that we honor because what? He is a man who deserved the honor. Timothy was worthy of honor. Now, we move on to the next guy here, and this is the, the last one we'll talk about, is the guy by the name of Apollos. Now, I want you to notice the difference between Timothy and Apollos in this situation. Now, concerning... And, I, and I'm going to remove the hour because it's italicized in my Bible, so it probably wasn't there originally. Now, concerning Brother Apollos, hallelujah. And I can see Paul saying it like that. I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. Does Apollos sound a little different than Timothy here? I, w- I, want, I want you to notice the Apostle Paul. He said he strongly urged him. You ever been strongly encouraged to do something? By me? Hallelujah. And we sit down and we have a conversation and I'm encouraging and I'm motivated and, I, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to breathe faith. I'm trying to breathe vision, right? I mean, y'all been there? Hallelujah. Paul, that's why I love Paul so much. He does run-on sentences and he does strong encouragement. I love him. Hallelujah. (laughs) We're brothers, I'm saying. Like, when we get together, we're going to be in heaven encouraging one another. Glory to God. (laughs) The uh, Apollos was, he, and and the thing about Apollos, y'all remember earlier, right? Earlier on, remember, I'm of Apollos. Remember that? So Apollos was, notice it didn't say, I'm of Timothy. Nobody was saying, I'm of Timothy, right? Like, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. I'm not of Timothy. No, I'm not, right? Because Timothy was not that strong leader. And he probably wasn't known there like that anyway. But here's the thing. Apollos, <coughs> he was a respected leader. And they probably wanted Apollos to come. And, they, and, and, and Paul was like, hey, man, you should go. Paul might have, I'm just saying, he might have been like, yo, Timothy needs you, bro. Come on. 
He needs you to be there to encourage. He, need, he needs your strength. And Apollos is doing, he's like, bro, I, I got my own thing going on over here. I don't know where he was, but nonetheless, he, he, was, he was very unwilling. So they were both, Paul and Apollos, they seemed to be two peas in a pod. Hello. Two guys. And so, again, they were, they were respectful. Again, Apollos was well-respected, desired at, as a leader in Corinth, apparently had an agenda that prohibited him from coming to Corinth at the time. At a convenient time. And I don't think it's like, okay, whenever I can. No, I think it's at the right time. When, when, when the right moment happened, what is the point? The point is you respect Timothy, you also respect Apollos. Even though, listen, here's the, the bottom line is this, is that we should be willing to give honor to others even if they're not who we want or expect them to be or they're not willing to move at the pace realizing we could be like Timothy or Apollos at any given time. There could be moments that I'm like Timothy. There could be moments that I'm like Apollos. There could be moments that I, I'm different, but we all have been gifted. We have all been commissioned. Again, I go back to that first statement that I asked you to repeat. We have all been given a responsibility to bring edification to the body. And so here's what my hope is. My hope is that we would seek to honor God in others by giving honor where honor is due. That's what we give there. We give honor one to another. So here's my closing question for you. Are you or, or would you say your heart is compelled to giving or to guarding? Would you say your heart is compelled to giving or to guarding? And, 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 and again, this brings us back to our first major point which is the financial side, right? But, but not just in your finances. Are you, are, are you giving in finances? Well, what, what, what about your time? Are you giving of your time or are you guarding it? Like, ah, I got too much going on, I can't. Let's all stand and let's pray together. Father, we come to you in this moment and we humble ourselves before your presence and we recognize that you are the greatest giver. And my prayer this morning, Lord God, is that our hearts would be given to you first and foremost. I pray, Lord God, for anyone that is in this place that does not have a relationship with you, that they have not given their lives to you, that they have not surrendered their will to you. I pray that this day would be a day that they surrender to you, that they submit themselves to you fully, God. For those of us, Lord God, that are your children, that are your sons, that are your, your daughters, Lord God, but struggle in the area of giving, Lord God. Whether it is giving financially, Lord, I pray that we would be repentant in that area, that, that, we, would, that we would realize the necessity that there is for us to be generous in the area of finances. For those of us that struggle in the area of time because we think that we don't have time, we don't have enough time, we have so much going on, Lord God, my, my prayer is that we would be willing to surrender our schedules fully to you. That we, would, that we would recognize, Lord, where we are wasting time. That we would follow your instructions, that we would redeem the time. And Lord, lastly, Lord, I, I pray for us that, that struggle to give honor to others who we may not think are worthy of honor. Those that are difficult, like Apollos, to convince when they're set in their ways, Lord, help us to give honor to them. Those who are like Timothy, Lord God, who aren't the strongest 
of, of people, and yet, Lord God, they're invaluable to you and to the kingdom. Lord, help us to give honor to others. Let our lives, God, be marked as givers. As those who have open hands and open hearts to you. We pray this in Jesus' strong name. Amen. 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 Come on and give God a hand of praise. He is worthy of all worship and all glory.